1: Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki. I'm Dale
0: Spangler. And this week's guest is TOBC Racing team owner, Michelle Lindsay. Moto America is an official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. Moto America, home of AMA Superbike and North America's premium motorcycle racing series is coming to Atlanta. Come see 190 mile per hour plus Superbikes as they take on Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta, April 22nd through the 24th. Tickets are now available at MotoAmerica.com along with VIP, camping, and Harley-Davidson packages. There will be seven classes of road racing, including the ever popular King of the Baggers and Roland Sands Super Hooligans. Enjoy three days of practice, qualifying, and racing, as well as stunt shows, carnival games, and a motorcycle show. Moto America is fun for the entire family, and kids under 12 are free. Visit MotoAmerica.com to purchase tickets and reserve your camping spot.
1: Follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook Tickets, info, and complete schedule at motoamerica.com forward slash tickets. This week's race recap, it was round 12 of Monster Energy AMA Supercross from Seattle, Washington. And honestly, the action on the track was over pretty quickly. We're starting to see that Tomac domination, Manny He hole shot, checked out in the race, it was essentially over after that. It looks like Tomac of old and... Uh, I think the rest of the field is seeing it and feeling it. And uh, there's a little bit of attrition in that 450 class, but uh, Tomac's taking advantage. With five rounds left, it's really hard to say that he's not going to take this title.
0: Speaking of attrition, we saw Chase Sexton go out and practice with a pretty rough crash where he went over the bars. It was suspected that he missed a shift, and uh, his bike got a little revenge on him and smashed him into the ground, and he was done for the evening. But as you said, Dave, Tomac pulls another hole shot takes the early lead over Justin Barsha. And I thought Barsha was going to stay there and put some pressure on Tomac until he went down and relinquished the second place to Jason Anderson, Marvin Muskan in third. He battled it out with fastest qualifier, Malcolm Stewart, finished uh, fourth, and Barsha fifth. So it was some great racing. But my biggest takeaway, Tomac takes his seventh win of the season, fifth in a row, and moves him into a tie for fourth with Chad Reed for all-time 450 Supercross main event victories at 44 Pretty incredible story, Dave. 250 West was back after a five-week break. And uh, boy, Christian Craig looked like he picked up where he left off, grabbed the whole shot in the main until Michael Moseman took a pretty aggressive stab at, at making a pass on him, ended up taking down Craig. Looked like Michael Moseman was going to run away with it, but uh, apparently he bent his rear brake rotor in the altercation with Craig and uh, ended up dropping down a few positions and ended up third on the podium, but uh, Craig worked his way back from sixth place to second. What an incredible ride for Craig, though. He's
1: on a roll. And full credits to uh, Hunter Lawrence. You just got to wonder if he's going to make a run against Craig for this championship. He's 26 points down. Anything can happen. If anything bad is going to happen, it happens to Christian Craig early on in a moto, and he ends up having to fight his way back. You know, Full credit to him for doing it. Watching that second place run, Michael Moseman, Hunter Lawrence going at it. So, uh, like to see a battle down to the finish. They've only got a few rounds left, so uh, keep an eye on these guys.
0: Our industry spotlight this week focuses on the recent passing of Moto America's medical director since the start of the series in 2015, Dr. Raymond Rossi, who passed away on Tuesday, March 22nd in Greenwood Village, Colorado. A longtime fixture in the paddock, Dr. Rossi was a familiar face when Moto America riders were injured or needed basic medical care while at the racetrack. In addition to helping Moto America's racers, Rossi was also an FIM accredited medical officer and served as chief medical officer for World Superbike and MotoGP events when those series came to the United States. Before working on what was his first love, motorcycle racing, Dr. Rossi had his own practice in Colorado. He also served as medical director at Pikes Peak International Raceway and in Miller Motorsports Park. Rossi was 67 years old.
1: Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, Michelle Lindsay. She is the team owner of TOBC Racing and recent winners of uh, the Daytona 200, the 80th running of the Daytona 200. So congratulations and welcome to the show, Michelle.
2: Thank you so much, Dave. I appreciate it. It's awesome to be here.
1: You guys have got to be excited how things went at Daytona. And I want to talk about uh, your your luck at Daytona because it's been stellar over the last several years. But uh, how did that weekend feel for you, and how did it go?
2: Obviously, we couldn't be anything but elated, you know, with the result. I think, had you been there to ask me that question at various points of uh, of the weekend, I may have answered differently. But that's racing, you know. You can experience pretty much everything in in one weekend. So I'm I'm just. I'm elated. I'm really proud of how it all came together. And, you know, I really do believe in my team individually and as a whole. And I, I knew that we had the right components to do it, but you can only set yourself up for success so much. And then there are so many other variables that come into play. So of course I'm I'm thrilled with the result.
1: And I can't imagine you wouldn't be, I mean, it's uh racing is like that. It's a lot of luck factored in, but, uh, it seemed like going into that event, uh, If you could say you guys had a stacked team with Danny Eslick and having won it four times and uh, Brandon having won last year going into the race. I mean, it's such an impressive record winning in 15, 17, 18, and now 2022 and actually on different brands. I mean, what is the secret that you guys carry into that event?
2: Wow. What is the secret? Every time you think you have it figured out, you go back expecting the same result and there's always a new variable. It goes back to the people goes back to you have to be confident in the motorcycle you have and that that carries through to who's building it the components that you're putting into it you have to be confident with the rider that you have and then the support system that you have so I I think we've done that multiple times in multiple different ways and I guess the secret is never forgetting what you did wrong in the past and trying to have a contingency plan for what you can anticipate may go wrong in the future so just having the resources available to mitigate any of those circumstances, which I think we, we definitely had a huge team this year. So in my mental Rolodex of what we've done right and wrong in the past, we had something on hand to to fix anything I could think of.
0: So Michelle, you are the first female team owner to win this historic race, and now you have four victories at the Daytona 200. You know, what is it about this race that it makes it so special and it's such a big focus for the TOBC racing team?
2: I think Daytona is just special in so many ways. It's it's recognized around the world as a, a very specific and unique track. I think that endurance racing is just a personal passion of mine. Before uh, John Couch, our, our team founder, passed away, we ran four teams for two years in the National Endurance Series. And unlike sprint racing, you know, I I am not mechanically inclined. And although I have raced, it was poorly. I love racing, but but my opportunity to participate started with observing and helping with the endurance teams. So it's exciting for me personally. It's iconic because it's Daytona, you know, and it's it's not a sprint race, it's it's a marathon. So it's just it's it's exciting in so many different ways. And it was always a dream of John's to participate in the race. So to win it, when it the first time you think, boy, am I lucky and did this happen? And then to win it a second time, you went, Oh, maybe we have something here. And then I think you just get addicted to that feeling and you want to do it again.
0: So this year's Daytona was also special for you guys because a father and son team of Calvin and Christian Crossland who raced uh, for you I believe in 2015, we were inducted to the Daytona 200 Mania before this year's race. So tell us a little bit about that story. It seems like a really cool, feel-good story.
2: It is, absolutely. Calvin and CJ are part of the reason why I wanted to buy and take over the team. You know, they're part of the original TOBC Racing family. And when I lost John, it was really hard for me to imagine to lose that family as well. So they they were actually, uh, the last time we had two TOBC bikes at once on the track at Daytona was in 2015. So it's just really special to have them there, uh, to have them complete that race together. And like I said, they're part of the original TOBC crew and that's quite an accomplishment. So I'm just, I'm proud of them. I'm so excited for them. And then they're, they're my, my race family and dear, dear friends. So that was really special. And it was also move-in day at the racetrack. So I was really glad I was able to attend. You know, it was the first win for us at Daytona and just a, a monumental accomplishment for them. So just um, happy to, to have uh, to have that opportunity to sharing that with them.
1: Now, as a team owner, uh, it seems like uh, you're very passionate about what you're doing. And it makes me wonder, kind of what's in your DNA with the team? What do you do when you're building up the team? What type of person do you look for when you build team, when you bring in team members and mechanics, technicians, things like that, outside of the racers that you've selected for the team.
2: So, what's in the my DNA? I'm probably a bit crazy, uh, if you ask anyone that that goes racing. But I think it's more than just the um, the ability and the capability of the people that you have on your team. If you really drill down to the personalities, what motivates them individually how you get along together. I mean, I think going back to what is the secret recipe, obviously you have to have a motorcycle with the ability to win and a rider that has the ability to win. But the the support team and the people that are there always try to make it seem like a family to let everyone know that they're cared for. And, and, you know, you're, you're not just someone who's here getting a paycheck. You are a true part of the team. And so I think that that's part of the makeup for me is it has to be fun. Has to be compelling. It has to be fun, and um, you know, just you've got to have all those little right components in there, and, and the personalities play into that quite a bit.
1: So, speaking about that, I know you had some uh, interesting race strategy at Daytona. Going back to the race to talk about that, and this maybe goes back to the team a little bit. I'm kind of curious because you guys took a gamble on tires at uh, that final pit stop going into the last few laps. And I think it really led to or helped lead to Brandon pulling off that win that was so close. I mean, kind of walk us through what went down and who made that decision and how did that come about, if you don't mind sharing that with us.
2: You know, it's been a while since I've run two riders. It's a little more of a monumental undertaking because you have to have a fine balance. You want to give everybody the same opportunity. That means we weren't going to split pit crews. We weren't going to split crew chiefs. We weren't we going to divide the resources among the riders. I wanted them both to have the same opportunity. I sort of acted, I guess, an, as an intermediary because each crew chief is focused on helping their rider win. But of course, I'm intrigued by, is there is there a difference in this strategy? Are we all using the same thing or not? And it's our first time on Pirelli's also. And in the picks, looking looking at the lap times, you know, talking to one crew chief and then going to talk to the other. Hey, what, what's your strategy here? What are we going to do? Al Danny's crew chief had said, "Hey, I don't, I don't think I'm going to change a tire. His lap times aren't falling off." So I went to talk to Rick. I said, "Hey, are, are we going to change a tire?" And he's like, "Yeah, we're going to change a tire." And well, are the lap times falling off? And so I think it was a. Of of course, I'm going to leave that decision up to Rick, but it was definitely discussed and quickly, but the lap times, they weren't falling off. You know, the temperatures were a lot cooler than they've been at Daytona in the past, so the tire was really holding on. And with the red flag, we hadn't changed the tires. They had already done that many laps before the first pit stop. So in just doing the calculation, it, it was definitely a risk, but I think it was one worth taking because the tires were hanging on, lap times weren't falling off, and the temperatures were cool we had already done that many laps on the, on the tire in the beginning. So I think we were all holding our breath a little bit. And and I'm sure I've heard on every podcast that Brandon's done in his podium speech, he said, you know, he was a little terrified that we weren't changing the tire, but in the end it worked. So it's one of those quick calculated risks that we're, we're happy we took.
0: Definitely seemed like a lot of strategy to go into that race that to win one of those races. So changing directions just slightly, a couple years back, you had some health issues. And I read that one of your goals during that period was to get healthy enough to bring TOBC Racing back to Daytona to try and win another Daytona 200. And here you are, it's 2022. You've accomplished that goal. It has to be extremely proud. And you know what's next for the team?
2: I had someone make fun of me on Facebook. Isn't this your fifth last race? So I think as much as not that I've tried to exit. I just thought it was a smart decision. If I can't do it right, you know, if I, if I can't give it 100%, then, you know, I, I don't know that that I, that I want to. I don't really want to, I don't want to give it a half effort. This year, I sort of operated under the you can't take it with you budget, which allowed us to, to bring the new homologized bikes there. If it were up to me and I, I had a 100% health guarantee, um, I would love to reenter the Moto America paddock. I think, um, you know, I left in 17 and I'm really intrigued by the homologization and bringing some of the bigger bikes back to the super sport series. That seemed different and intriguing to me. Um, I'd love to be there. You know, it's, it's not off the table, but, um, it, you know, if I'm not able to give it a hundred percent for health reasons or otherwise, then, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to re-enter unless I know I can.
0: So does that mean, so basically going forward, I... The Daytona 200 was kind of a one and done. And then you guys are, it's sort of up in the air if you're, whether you're going to do any more Moto America for the rest of the season.
2: I think now we have to come back next year. So uh, in December, unfortunately, they staged me up from stage three to stage four pancreatic cancer. So that's something that could change pretty quickly. I felt confident that uh, we had the resources and the availability and time to do the 200. Uh, I would love to come back in 2023. And certainly those, those talks are happening you know, again, I'm excited about the triumph. I'm excited about the homologization and to see sort of where that takes this series this year. I'll be watching pretty closely and I'm heading up to Circuit of the Americas to sort of dip my toe back in again and see if we can't get something together for a full season. But if not, you can certainly expect us to be there at the 200
1: for sure i think your team would be conspicuous by your absence if you weren't there because i think the world is, is really got your eyes got their eyes on you for sure and it uh, makes me wonder and i know you as much as you've been through which has been tremendously difficult and you guys have overcome and you've overcome what's one of the most uh, difficult aspects of just the team managing the team day to day and race to race and at the events because i've i've read some of the noise and the things that you had to go through at daytona chasing parts late hours, all of those things. What Of all of that, what is the most difficult aspect?
2: I think the most difficult aspect can change based on when you're there. You know, are you having engine problems? How is the bike running? Are we having, you know, we had a personnel that got sick. Is everybody healthy? So I think year to year it can change on what what is the predominant issue that we're facing right now. I will say I definitely with two riders felt the absence of a team manager position. So Scott Harwell managed our team for years and I definitely text him and I said, boy, do I miss you because I'm, I'm better at managing the hospitality side of things. We had quite the big group this year. Yeah, And there's always opportunities, but it's, it could be different every year, whatever the most difficult aspect is, but you learn from it and you try to make that the least difficult aspect the next year. Uh, this year, we just a, we got a late start. We didn't get to start building the bikes till January. And we really wanted to have an opportunity to test. That happened on the Monday prior to the 200. So that Sunday night, we were really working to get the bikes up and running and stickered. So it was a really, really um, intense effort, really close to the race. So I think if I could change one thing and make it less difficult on the team, we would have tested earlier.
0: So one other question about, so you've, the team has done a lot, you know, through the years besides Daytona, you've done, you know, Pikes Peak some Wira racing, AFT. Is there, is there one besides Daytona that stands out as a, you know, a discipline that's been really fun and, you know, maybe even surprised you a little?
2: We had entered Pikes Peak, but didn't actually end up going. And now we've had, uh, Danny does some AFT, you know, really endurance racing in general. Every time we would go to a new track when we were more on the, on the club level side, you know, your first year when you, when we were in AMA teams, there's always something that's new and exciting. Personally, I love endurance racing. There's not that there's more of a strategy, but it's more of a team effort. So I I think over the years, Daytona is the one that stands out. I just think there's there's nothing really quite like it. Danny's no stranger there. He's so talented and I really want to help him get his fifth. So we were a bit, you know, you can experience everything as the standout. It was gutted for Danny, elated for Brandon. It was our first time working together, both so talented. So I I think, of course, Daytona is going to stand out for me.
1: Well, Michelle, we can't be more excited for yourself and the team and what you guys have done in such a short time. And uh, honestly, we're going to be looking for you on the grid next year and what you guys are going to do. It's just always exciting to see. And those exciting wins that came down to milliseconds are just amazing to be a part of that. It's just got to be stellar.
2: It, it is. I um, someone came up to me and asked me at the track, "How would I describe it?" And you know, you hear a lot of people say you have you have highs and lows and sadness, and, and and triumph all in one weekend. And I tell people that you have personal triumphs and tragedies and victories in your life. But going to Daytona and having the opportunity to be a part of a team or facilitating a team that's winning—that's glory right there. It's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty special. And so if we have an opportunity to get back next year, we will. And 2023 is certainly not off the table. We'd love to be there.
1: Awesome, and we look forward to it. And if uh, if we could take these last few moments together, if there's anybody that you want to give a shout-out to, sponsors and team members, we'd love to
2: hear it. Our team was 30 people deep, and I, I don't want to leave anyone out. Obviously, our crew chiefs, Rick and and Al Lunnington, our riders, Brandon and Danny, my husband for putting up with uh, all the craziness. Um, Triumph Motorcycles and, and Freedom Financial really helped us out. We had so many people on the team, so many late night calls, so much input that went into it. You know, I, I don't have a list in front of me, and I wish I did. But um, you know, I, I, I've got Chris Tullock and Mike Sims and Rob Silva and Robin Holly, and there's just, like I said, there's so many people families that came to hang out with us to help facilitate it. So I don't want to leave anybody out, but it's thank you for giving me the opportunity to thank them. But I want to just thank the whole team for believing in me, in me for being there and following my my crazy idea.
1: Awesome. We really appreciate it, Michelle. And thanks for spending time with us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks again to our guests for being with us today and thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review us. We really appreciate it. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com where you can check out our blog and our brand new store where you can get your Pitpass swag.
0: This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, producer Leah Longbreak and audio engineer, Eric Colt. Now
1: I'm Dale Spangler. And I'm Dave Selecki. See you next week on Pit Pass Moto.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day,